You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, well, let's pray real quick. I, I, need, I need prayer on this one, okay? So... This is going to be good, though. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for another opportunity to gather as family, gather as a community of believers that go after who you are, go after your word, go after your presence, and uh, go after the kingdom together. And so, Father, we thank you. We just ask for your revelation, for clarity, and the things that you're going to speak today. And it's in your name we pray. Everybody said amen. So, uh, you know, Bill Johnson, one of the things I remember Bill talking about when he was speaking to pastors and leaders, and he said, you know, I got some advice for you. When you, when you go do a sermon, he said, don't do a sermon based on what you think's a good sermon. He said, do a sermon around what's happening in your life. Because every time you do that, it's going to be relevant. And so uh, I started praying the other day. I said, God, what do you, you know, what should I talk about, you know? And, and uh, you know, he said, well, what's going on with you right now? And I said, man, it just feels like a lot of transition. And uh, I really felt the Lord say that, well, you're not alone because my entire body is going through transition right now. And I think the church as a whole is in a season of transition. And uh, the message I want to kind of talk about today is around that, and it's dreaming in the midst of transition. Uh, I'm going to Let's put this verse up, uh, and I'll let you turn to it. Psalms 126.1, and uh, I'll let you turn to it for a minute. I didn't give Jerry my, my uh, scriptures today like I should have, so he's, he's going to have to hunt them down and put it up on the, on the screen. But Psalms 126.1, it's kind of interesting because I really feel like the Lord's been like directing me to Psalms a lot here lately. And I, I imagine it's because I need uh, a lot of encouragement. So I, I think we could all say we need a double dose of that, right? Come on. So Psalms 126.1 says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, it says we were like them that dream again. Okay, I'm going to read that again. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed again. And what happened with Zion was they were in captivity with Babylon for over 70 years. And just like that, uh, God turned around and he released them, got them released through King Cyrus, and Cyrus ordered the Jews back to their homeland, back to Jerusalem. And you know, it's never the will of God, ever, never the will of God for any of his sons and daughters to be held captive, period. Whether it's physical captivity, but when we're talking today, we're talking about uh, spiritual captivity. We're talking about emotional captivity. That is never God's plan for our life. Because when, when we're held captive by our life's circumstances, we automatically can become shut down or begin to lose the ability to dream, to lose the ability for the, to dream for the future, and it becomes it, it becomes really hard, and it or sometimes it even becomes just massively non-existent. So what we do what we do next is so vitally important. Is anybody where is anybody there right now? You know what I'm talking about. Come on, I, I don't. I've been talking to a lot of people lately, and it seems like people are all just in a place going, "What's next?" What do we do? Where are we going? So what's really critical, I, I, I pulled this verse up. The, I, a matter of fact, I woke up like at, 
not last night, like a week ago, I woke up like at 3 in the morning, and this verse was just ringing in my head, and it was Psalms 118.5. And it says, I cried to the Lord in my distress, and he heard me, and he set me in a large place. Isn't that good? I cried to the Lord, and he set me in a large place. And I propose what that large place is, it's not a physical location. It's not a financial breakthrough. It's not any of the things that I think we would want to think what a large place would be. But I think that large place is in him. And, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily take you out of your present situation or, or the process that you're going through. But what does it do? It adds strength to you. It adds strength and it adds peace to where you are. How many of y'all need a lot of peace right now? Double dose of peace. Come on, it's, it's good for all of us. And, you know, when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, uh, you know, they were in a place where they had been in captivity for 70 years and they could not believe how God did it. He, they could not believe how God rescued them out of the the current situation they were in. And, you know, I believe wherever you are currently, wherever I am currently, I believe this is going to be our testimony as well. I believe God's going to rescue you out of a situation that you're in, and it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind because it's going to prove to you, again, his faithfulness and how good he really is. And, you know, there is a season that is closing, and there is a season that is opening. And we definitely need to be aware of what's happening around us. Isaiah 18 and 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shows, uh, and now it shows spring forth. Will you, not know, will you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and I will make streams in the desert. Man, that is so good. How many of you ever, uh, Michael and I are probably going to be the only ones that can relate to this. How many of you ever been in the woods and you got lost? I mean, man, it is scary. It pitch black. You can't see anything. You're in the wilderness. You're out on hundreds of acres of land or thousands or whatever, and you don't know which way is north. You don't know which way is south. You don't know which way is east, unless you got a GPS, you know. But I relate that to this verse, you know, that he'll make a way in the wilderness where there is no way, where you feel absolutely lost. He is going to make a way. He is going to give you the coordinates to be able to get to freedom, to come out to the other side. Just like with the rivers, the streams, and the desert, you could be in a real, and I love that. That's so encouraging because you could be in a place right now where you just feel dry. Everything feels dry. And it's like, man, these conditions and the surroundings and everything is happening to me is just, it's, it's, it's ruthless, it's relentless. And, and the heat that is beating down on me from all these decisions I'm having to make, it's just, it's, just, it's just overwhelming me. Well, guess what? God says he'll even bring you a stream in the desert. Because why? Because he is our source. He is our source. He is our total source. And, you know, Paul said this. He said, we've got in Philippians 3.13, I'm going to be shooting a lot of scripture towards you guys this morning. But he said, Paul said, we forget what lies behind and look forward to those things which are before. Why is that so important? Why do you think he said that? Because if you're constantly looking behind you, you're constantly looking at the things that have happened, you can't see the next thing that's coming in front of you. 
and you can't see, you can't get excited or, or get into faith about the things that God even wants to prepare, that he's prepared for you and that he wants to show you because you continually are turning and looking back. Jesus said it this way in Luke 962, 962, uh, 962. He said, no one, that sounds like, I, I'm sorry guys, I flashed the movies, it sounded like the water boy. 62, 62, sorry, I just had to do, I had to get it out. 962, uh, Jesus said this, he said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow, that is pretty incriminating, right? Uh, and, and I think what Jesus is saying here is that we can't trust what we see. If we are led by what we see, we are going to be in trouble. So he says, if, if you put your hand to the plow and you do what I've told you to do and I've commissioned you, I've called you, I've given you words, you move forward. Don't look back. No matter what you've experienced, no matter what's happening, don't look back. And you know, the, the wonderful thing about this is great faith creates great things. Did you know that? Great faith creates great things. Just like great beliefs create great things. What we believe is so important. It, it, it's so important. You know, I wrote on my Bible the other day, and I think you guys have seen this. Uh, whoops, my This is how I fight my battles. Right here. I wrote it on the side to remind me that when I want to get into my own head or I want to get into my own way of, of taking care of things, that I have to remind myself uh, yeah, it's important for me to stand, but it's important for me to stand on something that's solid. It's important for me to stand on something that's secure. And God's word is solid, and God's word is secure. Amen? And so he's closing the door and opening another one. I, I would even say it like this. Uh, there's a closing of a door of grieving of what could have been. I've experienced this this year. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just getting really, is it okay if I get vulnerable and authentic with you guys? I can get up here and lie and act like I got it all together, but you guys would know I don't. So I'm just going to tell you the truth anyway. But it feels like this has been a season, season of grieving, of looking back at what it could have been. And I, God, I think really what God is doing, he's positioning us and he's getting us to go through that other door to where we're not looking back on what could have been, but now we're looking to the future of what can be and what God will do in our life, amen? And, uh, you know, a lot of times, and this isn't going to be real encouraging, but I'll bring it back full circle, and you'll be encouraged, okay? But uh, a lot of times, God doesn't always just take us out of the situation we're in, but he gives us personal breakthrough so that we can make it through what we're going through because it's the process that perfects who we are. And none of us want to go through that process. Why? Because it sucks. <laughs> Can I say that word? It sucks. It does not feel good. And, uh, I mean, I don't know anybody that likes going through a process that rubs and grinds and sharpens and, you know, takes off the edge that, the, of something that doesn't need to be there. But, you know, we see this, we see this especially, and I love this story, we see this especially in the life of Joseph who became, who might possibly be one of the greatest dreamers of all time. Uh, everybody, I, I, I could read through the whole story. 
but it's going to take too long, so I'm just going to give you the paraphrased version of Joseph. So Joseph was uh, one of 12 sons, and um, his, his father was Jacob. And Joseph was Jacob's favorite son because the Bible says it was, his, it was the son of his old, uh, the youngest of his old age. Youngest of his old age, right? How do we say that? Is that right? Son of his old age, right? There you go. Wow. That's what I'm trying to get that one down. Son of his old age, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and he loved Joseph. He, he brought, Joseph brought him so much joy. So much joy that he, he literally made him this coat of, you know the story, the coat of many colors. You know the story? Okay, good, good. It's a good story, isn't it? It's a really good story. Gary and Lacey are teaching. Gary and Lacey are teaching our kids the Bible. Come on, guys, it's really good. Uh, but he gave him this coat of many colors, and you know Joseph wasn't a bad guy. I don't think he was. You know he was. But I think what ended up happening with Joseph, he because he was the favorite, he became a little entitled. You know, and he he got a little big for his britches because when he started dreaming, you know. He began to share his dreams with his brothers and even with his parents. And one of the dreams, he goes out to his brother, and he would rat on his brothers, okay? The Bible says he ratted on his brothers, okay? And his brothers hated him for it, okay? So then he goes out into the field, and he goes, hey, guys, guess what? I had a dream last night. Man, this dream was crazy. I was out doing wheat in the field, and my bundle of wheat stood in the middle of the field, and all the other wheat bundles, 11, you guys bowed down to my bundle of wheat. And they're like, man, I hate this guy. If you weren't dad's favorite, we would, you know. So he dreams, he tells him the story, and uh, they get mad, they hate him even more. Then he has another dream, and he says to his brothers again, like he should have seen that it didn't go over well the first time. Why would you tell him again, hey, hey, guys, by the way, I had another dream. And this time I dreamed the sun and the moon and the stars were all bowing down to me. And they're like, you are crazy. So you're saying that mom and dad and all of us are going to bow down to you someday. And he's like, yep, that's right, that's right. And then his mom and dad, he told his mom and dad, and his mom and dad were like, they rebuked him. They were like, are you kidding me? What, what are you eating? What are you smoking? We don't, we don't know. Yeah, but, thanks, Greg, you got, you got it ahead of me. Come on, Steve. Come on, Steve. So his dad, it says, though, his dad thought about it. And his dad, he, he said he remembered it, and he thought about it. And so we know the story. Joseph uh, goes out to his brothers, and evidently his brothers had just literally, they got hate in their heart, anger. And they said, we're going to kill this guy because we're just tired of him. We're just tired of him. And so they, they demised this plan to kill him, throw him in a pit, leave him. Uh, make up some story to tell their dad. And Reuben, one of the brothers, said, no, we can't do this. We, we've got, we don't kill him. Let's just, uh, you know, let's do something, but let's not kill him. So they're like, okay, well, we'll throw him in the pit, and then we'll, we'll think about him. We'll make a decision later. And uh, Reuben had ended up going back somewhere. I guess he had to go back, check on sheep or whatever. And while he was gone, there was a, a, a line of merchants that came through that were going to Egypt. And the brothers were like, hey, I got a better idea. We don't kill him. 
let's just sell them. Let's sell them to these traveling merchants. We can make some money off the guy. And then we just tell dad, hey, he got killed by a wild animal. So they took his coat, took it off of him, ripped it up, put, put blood on it, and that's exactly what they did. And they sold Joseph into slavery. Reuben comes back, of course, and says, what did you do with him? And they told him, and it, you know, Reuben was really upset about it. But Joseph was all, already on his way to Egypt. And so Joseph arrives into Egypt, and he gets bought uh, by Potiphar, who was one of the top soldiers in, in Pharaoh's army. And Joseph goes in, and he begins to serve Potiphar. And it says that God was with Joseph. God was with everything he did. He caused his, everything that he touched uh, to have favor on it. It brought favor on Potiphar's house. Potiphar recognized it, and Potiphar began to turn things, his whole household, over to Joseph. Well, during this time, uh, Potiphar's wife, I guess she was, uh, she was lonely or whatever, she had the hots for Joseph, and so she kept trying to uh, persuade Joseph to, to have relationships with her, you know, have relations with her. And Joseph kept saying, hey, I can't do that. I, I don't believe that way. I wouldn't dishonor my master. He's given me charge of his whole household, but I am not going to do this thing to, her, uh, to him. And everybody knows the story. She continued after him. And then one day, she, she continued after him and pursued him even more, and she grabbed his garment, and it's, it said he ran so fast he left his garment. So literally, probably yanked his tunic off of him, and he ran out the door. And, uh, of course, she got massively offended, and uh, then she began to accuse Joseph of rape. And then we all know the story. Potiphar believed his wife. He got upset. He threw Joseph into jail. Well, Joseph, you know, here we are. We think this is the end of Joseph. Like, man, he's in jail. That's the end of the story. Nope, because when God is with you, that is never the end of the story. Amen? So it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what obstacles you face. It, even if they're the worst obstacles you can even imagine when it looks like doomsday, it doesn't matter because when you've got God on your side, then you, you're going to have the victory, and you're going you're gonna to have the outcome of, of having a victorious life. Amen? So Joseph goes into the prison, and what happens there? Joseph brings the favor of God with him. Uh, pretty soon the, the guard turns over uh, all the responsibilities to Joseph. He's running the prison, says everything is working like clockwork, and, and just so happens that the baker of the king and the cupbearer of the king get thrown into prison. Uh, I guess they baked the wrong thing or gave him the wrong wine that day, and it really irritated him. So he threw them into prison. And while they were in, in prison, the baker and the, the cupbearer had these crazy dreams. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this dream to you because I think it's pretty, pretty neat, pretty cool. Y'all give me a minute. I've, I've got to come back to it. Here we go. Let's see. So, um, the cupbearer comes to me. He said, "You know, here's the dream, and this is." And and I'm just reading the interpretation. So Joseph reads the interpretation. He said, "This is what the dream means." Joseph said, "There's three branches. 
that represent three days. And within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore to you your position as chief cupbearer. And don't forget, remember me when you get put back into the Pharaoh's court and if things go well for you, mention me to the Pharaoh. Then the, the baker came to him and said, here's my dream. And then Joseph said, this is what the dream means. Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. In three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Man, that is not a great encouraging report, right? I would have been afraid to give him that dream, you know, but he did. And uh, it said, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all of his officials and staff. He summoned the chief cupbearer and the chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could, again, hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted. Then he interpreted his dream. Uh, when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Never giving him another thought. And um, I think what's interesting in this, you know, here's the deal. When we're in transition and we're in the middle of a process, it's so easy, again, to get caught up by what's going on around us that we don't partner with God when it comes to dreaming. And here is a perfect example of Joseph. He's, he's been in a great place with his family. Then he gets thrown in a pit. Then he goes to Potiphar's house. He gets accused of something wrong. Uh, he gets thrown into prison. But each single time, he overcomes his surroundings and his circumstances. Why? Because we can go back to Psalms 118. He cried unto the Lord, and God enlarged the area where he was. Why? Because it was in him. And because he leaned towards that, he was able to continue to dream and hear from God. And what ended up, what ends up happening is, you know, in that process, he literally was able to step into a place where he became a father to Pharaoh. I'm going to read, I'm going to read when he came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh heard about two years later, Pharaoh uh, his cupbearer says, oh, yeah, by the way, there was a guy, a guy two years ago that gave me an interpretation for the dream, and he told me, you know, what I dreamed and that you would restore me to being your cupbearer, and it happened. And Pharaoh's like, man, I've had a dream. I, I need a guy like this. And so he calls Joseph out of the prison, and he goes to the Pharaoh, and, you know, Pharaoh begins to tell him the dream. And Pharaoh basically gives him the whole layout. And you guys know kind of the gist of the story that Joseph said, uh, I saw, he interpreted the dream. He said, for seven years, uh, you're talking about the fat cows and all that kind of stuff. He said, I see seven years of harvest, great harvest in the land of Egypt. And then the last seven years, I see the, a, a, a time of massive destruction and massive, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Famine. And massive famine. And um, Pharaoh was like, he believed Joseph. He was like, okay. Because he felt something. He knew something was happening. And he was aware of it. Therefore, he, he, he talked to Joseph because he trusted that Joseph knew God. And in that process, he said, Joseph, where are we going to find such wisdom? 
Where are we going to find a guy better suited to run Egypt for me and to prepare for the coming stuff that's fixing to happen? And, uh, you know, between, in every situation in our life, between the promise and the palace, there's always a process. There's always a process, and there's a transition that takes place. And, you know, the thing about transition is uh, they're, they're in a transition, there is an aligning, there is an aligning with, uh, with the way we think, with the way he thinks. And, and, you know, oftentimes we get to choose the process. And you're like, well, that's funny because I never got to choose the process I went through. It just happened. Well, let me tell you what ends up happening in that whole situation. Our posture creates the process that we will go through. Your posture will cause the process you will go through. Many times, it'll, it'll either go really, really slow, or it can go really, really fast, or somewhere else in the middle. But the way you posture yourself during a time of transition and during a, a, a time where a season of change, it's going to set you up for failure, or it's going to set you up for success. And that has to do around uh, going through a place where we're walking a place of humility, or we're going through a place where we're arrogant and we're prideful. And again, I don't think Joseph was a bad guy, but I think he was massively entitled because he was highly favored. And I think in his early years, he was arrogant. He was prideful. And because he was arrogant and prideful, God had to take him through some processes to work some of that stuff out of him, to get him to a place where he understood, hey, it's, it's my goodness and it's my kindness and it's, it's by my grace that you prosper. And it's by my hand that you're either elevated, I mean, lowered or you're, lowered or you're elevated. And I think Joseph, I think after going through the pit, Potiphar, and then to the power, I think he learned that. I think in that, pro, in that place, Joseph worked out his arrogance and through that process, he transitioned into a new season of, of obtaining what had been promised through his dreams. But now he was walking in a place of humility, in a place of gratefulness. And, you know, so much so that in Genesis 45, we won't go there, uh, don't worry about it, Jerry. Genesis 45, the, the, the famine is raging in, fair, in, in Egypt, and it's raging in the outskirts of Egypt and in all the land. And it began to affect his family that lived far away. And it said that the father sent the brothers to Egypt to get grain because there was no food anywhere. And so when they came into Egypt to get grain, Joseph found out that his family had come into Egypt. But the crazy thing was when they, when they saw Joseph, they didn't recognize him because he didn't look like an Israelite anymore. He didn't look like a Jew. He looked like an Egyptian because he was living in Egypt. And they didn't recognize him. And um, basically what ended up happening was when they, there were some other stories that led up to this, but when the brothers finally came in and there had been some transactions and some things that had happened, he, he revealed to his brothers who he was. And it said that his brothers became fearful because they were afraid of retribution because they knew they had wronged him. They knew they had done wrong, that they had done wrong by him. They'd done wrong by their dad. And what did Joseph end up saying? I love this part. He said in Genesis 50, 20, he said, What you intended against me for evil, God intended for the good. 
in order to accomplish a day just like today, to preserve the lives of many people, to preserve the lives of my family, to preserve the life and the legacy of, of our destiny. I mean, isn't that good? And, um, you know, I'm going to say this, and this isn't really the main part of what I'm talking about, but, you know, Joseph did not let betrayal keep him from obtaining God's best. You know, Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Okay? So what I'm going to say is, today, do not let Judas, Judas, let your Judas push you into your destiny. Don't let the Judases in your life keep you from what God's got for you. And, and, and really, to be honest with you, Judas could be, I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of making this up, but it's like, you know, Judas doesn't ha just have to be a person. It can be an event. It can be something in your life where you feel like, hey, this business deal or this thing that I was doing betrayed my feelings. It betrayed my emotions. It betrayed where I thought I was going to end up being successful. And, and, and we hang on to that. And, we, and we've got to get good at letting that stuff go in order to be able to dream with him and to move forward and, and obtain what he has for us. So your Judas can literally push you into your destiny if you let it. And what is your, what's your posture going to be? Is it going to be arrogance? Is it going to be pride? Or is it going to be humility? And, you know, I love this because what's happening in us is actually more important than what's happening through us. Did you know that? Let me say that again. What's happening in us is a lot more important than what's happening through us. We focus on what's happening through us. My ministry, my business, my success, my influence. All those things are important, but they become non-existent and non-relevant if what's happening on the inside of us is not creating life and not creating humility and creating love for others and the things that are going on around us. So what's happening on the inside of you is so much more important than what's happening through you because what is happening on the inside of you is going to spill over to what's happening through you. <laughs> and, um, you know, um, Joseph got to that place where what was happening in him was, was more important than what was happening through, through him. And, you know, no matter where you are right now, will you allow God to use every circumstance and every environment to bring about his promise in your life? Uh, that's a question you need to ask yourself. You know, we're, we're in an epic season, you know, not E-P-I-C, but E-P-O-C-H. Do you say epoch? Epoch season, which is really a time in history that we've never seen before marked by unbelievable events that continue to unfold before us. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? I mean, we're, we're in pretty crazy times. I got, I got to get going. Um, but here's, here's the reality of all this. In these seasons and in this time of transition, sometimes it's really hard because it's like we've, we've, we've ne we can't, we can feel it, but we don't have language to be able to communicate exactly how we feel sometimes or how we see what's going on. Jake and... Uh, uh, Matt Gonzalez just did a great podcast around uh, 
transition around dreaming. And uh, I, I encourage you to go listen to it because it was really, really good. But, you know, it's so hard because when transition happens, we don't know a lot of times how to communicate what we're feeling and what's happening. So, therefore, it gets really hard because then we can't explain it to other people. Like, I, something's happening, something's changing. I just don't know what to tell you. And I don't know to tell you what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know what to tell you when it's going to happen or where it's going to happen. And, you know, sometimes just like Joseph, our circumstances can look like in the midst of those processes, it looks like sometimes we're being punished. But the, but the reality is it's just the process on the way to the next assignment. And, you know, transitions are also hard because for something, uh, it means for something to end, uh, I mean, for something new to begin, there's something has to end. That's why it's hard. Because we get attached to things. And going back, it's almost, again, like I'm, we're saying about there's, there's a grieving that what, of, of what could have been or what could have been better. Or maybe it was great, but now God is taking you through another process to prepare you for something else, maybe something better, even better than you can even imagine. Real quick, there's three things. There are three things of, about a transition. There's three aspects of a transition. There's the letting go which is what, what it was, okay? There's the in-between, which is navigating the disappointments, the dissatisfaction, and then there's the pivot or the shift, which means to a, adapting and moving forward and embracing the new. You got that? That's, those are the three aspects. There's the letting go, there's the in-between, and then there's the pivot or the shift. And, you know, there's a really hard word, <laughs> that I don't like and I know that none of you are going to like. There's a really hard word that connects all three of these aspects together, and that word is uncertainty. Not knowing. Uncertainty. But here's, here's, here's the beautiful thing. You can still have power in uncertainty if you know the one who is certain and brings all certainty about. There can be power in uncertainty because then what ends up happening is your trust begins to shift. You know, um, fear, Jake said this, fear is not the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith is certainty because if you have to be certain, then you don't have to have faith. And faith is spelled what? R-I-S-K, risk. So faith, fear is not the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith is certainty. And, you know, our walk is a walk of faith. And, uh, you know, God called Abram out into a land that he did not know. He, he didn't know where he was going. He just said, go. And he said, if you trust me and you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reward you. I'm going to bless you. And I'm, you're going to see the fruit of what I've told you to do. And what did Abram do? He went and he left his land where he lived. And what ended up happening was when Abram left, he automatically, instantly began to get an upgrade. Why? Because he stepped out in faith. And God rewarded that faith and rewarded that obedience by upgrading his name, which gave him even a greater blessing. He said, I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So when we're going through a transition and we're going and we're in the middle of a process, the 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 great news is there's always an upgrade coming for you. 
there's an upgrade coming for your identity. There's an upgrade coming in the things that you put your hand to. As long as you don't keep looking back and trying to make the thing that happened in the past be the thing that's going to continue to get you where you're going in the future. Because that's not the plan of God. He said, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing, and if you, if you trust me, you will step out, and, and you will move forward, and you will begin to dream. You'll begin to partner with me, and things are going to happen on an exponential level that you won't even be able to believe what God's doing. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Last little story, and we'll end it here. So our children's pastor, Gary Pagalero, he called me last week, and he was so excited. And um, he said, man, I just had this cool thing happen to me, and then I had an encounter with God, and it was just like so amazing. He's crying on the phone, and I hope he doesn't mind me say that, but he's crying on the phone, and, man, he was getting choked up. And he said, I went home one day, and uh, he said, my my neighbor across the street yelled at me as I pulled up with my kids and my wife. He said, hey, Gary, you got a minute? And he said, or you got 45 minutes that you can get away from your family for a minute. And Gary goes, well, yeah, I guess. And he goes, well, let me tell you. He goes, why am I getting away from my family for 45 minutes? He goes, I want you, I got a race car you're going to drive. And Gary's like, I'll be right there. So Gary runs in the house. He tells Lacey, hey, I got some good news and I got some bad news. The good news is I get to drive a race car. The bad news is you got to put the kids down. So, And they got three boys, and they are wild Mohicans, you know. And so they're just, you know, and his wife's like, yeah, go, go. So he goes with his neighbor. They go to this track, and uh, they were, they were going to drive the car, but they were bringing it back to another location. And uh, Gary, Gary said, um, well, for, Gary's a pretty big guy. You know, he's real big. And this was not like a stock car. It was like one of these Mazda race cars, you know, that they do on these shorter tracks and stuff. But, I mean, it's still a race car. And uh, he said, mm, I don't think you're going to be able to get in there. And Gary goes, I told my wife I was getting in a race car. I'm getting in this race car. <laughs> and uh, he got in it, and he drove it. And, you know, one of the things he was talking about was, how he had such an encounter with God was because, you know, when he saw the race car, he instantly had an expectation that I was going to be able to do things in this car that I can't do in a normal car. And that's absolute truth. You get into a race car, it handles better, it goes faster, it does things that a normal car cannot do, you know, just can't. And, and Gary said, you know, I really heard the Lord say, basically, hey, this is going to be a season this is going to be a time that if you have an expectation that when you're, you're in me, you get in me, that I'm going to take you places quicker and faster than you could ever get on your own. Isn't that good? And I think we've all got to understand, we, God always, always calls us to something we can't do on our own. But when you trust him, you get an upgrade. I was a demolition car, and then I get to go into a, a race car. How many of us have been demolition cars? You know, we just, we run into everything, you know. Well, this is a season where God's saying, hey, you don't have to get in a demolition car anymore. You don't have to be a demolition car. You can be a race car. Because once you get in me, it's kind of like Ricky Bobby says, I want to go fast. Once you get, once you get in him, you're going to go fast. Might, might not be 
His fast is totally different than our fast, though. Let me say that. So your inner dependence in him makes you be able to do things you'd never be able to do on your own. And just like that race car that Gary got in, it gave him the ability to do things a normal car wouldn't do. And in him, you'll always, you'll always get to where you're going faster in him and with him. And that during that time of transition, if you learn how to continue to dream and partner with God, you're going to go further than you thought you were ever going to go. And leave what, leave what was in the past. It's not there anymore. Be looking to the future. Be looking to what, what God's going to do next. And, and have expectation and have faith that it's not, it's not if it happens, it's when it happens. So prepare yourself for when it happens. Amen? Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. I, you know, I'm just going to do this in faith because I think everybody needs this. And whoever who does want it, they definitely can, can pull on this or, or not. Stephen, come up here. Jake, come up here. Uh, Rachel, you come up here. Is there snapping? And uh, Terry, come up. Uh, where's Josh? Josh, are you in here? Josh, come up here. So what I want to do is, listen, I, you know, I don't know where everybody is right now in their walk with the Lord or where, in their, where they are in their life right now. But if, if you're in this place and you're saying, hey, I feel like I'm in a transition, and it, it could be anything. If you feel like you're in a transition and you want to get, and you feel like you've been stuck and you need to get unstuck, I, I want you to come up and just get prayer and let these guys lay hands on you. And we're just going to pray a, a prayer of faith that God is going to begin to reveal to you exactly what he is doing in this transition in your life. What door he's closing and what door he's opening next so that you have clarity that when you do step through the next door, that it's going to be a, a, a move of God. It's not going to be, I'm making a move out of being discontent. I'm making a move out of I'm frustrated. I'm making a move because I need to make something happen. If we do that and we're not doing it with in, in the perfect timing of who God is and what he says, we're going to make a bad decision. We're going to make a bad decision because we're doing it based on emotion, not on faith. So I just want to encourage you. If you're in this place this morning and you're saying, hey, I, ne I need God to begin to show me clearly what this transition is, what it looks like, uh, I want you to come up here and get and get some prayer. And you guys can put on some low music or whatever. But we just we want to we want you to know we bless you. You can come as as the music's playing. Uh, if you don't feel that way, but you need prayer anyway, we're asking you to come up and get prayer. But other than that, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys you're released. But we love you and believe God's best for you and over your life. Amen. Amen. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.